Please be seated. Good morning. What would St. Paul's do if 5,000 newcomers came through our doors? <laughs> well, the first action taken would be Karen Vigiano getting on the phone and ordering more donuts <laughs> and sending Rich out after them. Jeff Hurd and Elvines would be panicking over being shut down by the fire department. Berger Rich and the Altar Guild uh, would be scrambling for more wafers. And the choir would say, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and clergy would have to think about their message and probably change it a little bit. And what would we say if some of them asked us, what must we do to perform the works of God? And whoever this is from that crowd um, asking this question either from the midst of that crowd or from the front is asking a very good and appropriate question and I thank that person for asking it. The crowd of thousands, these are the same people who have been following Jesus for days, listening to his testimony and watching him heal the sick and diseased, present during the miracle of the loaves and fish. This crowd growing in number curiosity and admiration of Jesus, declaring him the prophet come into the world and are eager to make him a high government leader on the level of King David. These thousands follow him across the sea. And when they find him again, they wonder, probably, probably with an edge of frustration, when did you come here? The question could just as well have been, why did you leave us? They could have phrased it in many of different ways, but Jesus' response would have been the same. You seek me because you ate your fill. He starts the lesson. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures. The question again, what do we need to be doing? What does this work look like? Now, when I first hear this scripture, or Jesus' answer, um, I feel a little bit let down in that when we hear a passage or a scripture piece, we tend to kind of go, believe. So the answer is, believe. He's asking them to believe. Here's a great opportunity for us, the crowd, to hear exactly what action that they, we need to be performing in order to be partakers in this enduring nourishment. And the answer is open and vague. Believe. But believe in him who God has sent. The people can understand this reference. Many knew of the Messiah to come into the world to save the just and to rule for eternity. Jesus is asking them to believe that it is he sent from God, and not just as a prophet, not just as an earthly king, but that godly gift that brings life. So let's expand on the word believe and put a capital B on it. Jesus is asking the people to believe in him, to have faith in him, and to trust in him that what he is telling them is the truth. Jesus is teaching the thousands differently 
than if he had been alone with his disciples and closest followers. The way he explains a parable more intimately to them when they ask, Jesus, what did you mean by that? In the Gospels of Mark and Matthew, we hear the story when Jesus is asked a similar question by a rich man. What good deed should he do to receive eternal life? And Jesus gives this individual a more specific answer and a more specific set of tasks. Obey the commandments, sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and follow him. But here he is looking out among a throng of thousands, a mix of non-believers, of skeptics, people who are hearing and seeing him for the first time, and they are amazed. His answer, believe, is where he's asking them to start. The work of God is to believe. In our faith, we use the word believe a lot. In the renewal of baptismal vows, for example, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I believe, I believe. First believe, then act. The acts are the I wills. I will continue in the apostles' teaching. I will, I will, and so on. The crowd of people, though, aren't there yet. They want a sign like Moses performed that they can understand. Bread from heaven. Then believing will be easier. In other words, what will Jesus do for them again today? These folks just sat through one of the most famous meals in human history. The few loaves and fish miraculously filling them all with plenty of leftovers. Yet they are still after something more. Maybe a guarantee that if they see and believe and trust in him, that they won't at times look silly, impractical, or foolish and possibly get locked away. Because along with believing and trusting comes a little bit of submission. Letting loose of something of ourselves, dedicating a portion of our day to Christ. A life sense that we are part of God's work in the world and that the work and the plan is not entirely ours. Paul, in this morning's lesson, encourages us to lead a life worthy of our God-given gifts. Whether we are apostles, prophets, or pastors, or Sunday school teachers, acolytes, or missionaries, we all are part of the body of Christ. Knowing that the people are still missing the point of his message, Jesus remains patient. There is no scolding them, as he clarifies. The gift of the bread was from God, not Moses. This heavenly bread gives life to the world. Now, at this point, the people are getting a little more excited. The bread that Jesus fed them was from baskets laying on the ground. Now they're hearing about that bread from heaven again. Yes, yes, Jesus, this is what we want. This is the wondrous deed that satisfies our needs, that we won't have that worry of hunger or to long for whatever it is that we are desiring at the moment for what we think will bring us a better life. No more worrying. Give us that bread. Jesus' final response in this part of the passage is his declaration. I am the bread of life.
Jesus is that bread that he's been talking about through which we will not hunger or thirst. And so we finish the verse. We first come to him. Now what does this look like? For me, it is sitting in my comfy chair at home early in the morning with my cup of coffee and sometimes my dog at my feet, reading from my father's old Bible. It's my daily prayer during my commute into work as a fellow driver cuts me off on Fort Duquesne Bridge. (laughs) Be with me today, O Lord, and keep me safe and alert. I'm dedicating a portion of my day to Christ, and when the day is closing, I'll sit outside on these warm summer evenings and reflect and say, thank you, God, for this wonderful day. Now, it may have been a lousy one, and so I sometimes use a guide a friend gave me a few months ago, and this guide helps me reflect on my day and realize that all things are a gift from God that I remain grateful for many things, my family, my home, my jobs, my truck didn't get hit, (laughs) and to ask for his help in seeing the brightness of tomorrow. So through listening to his word, reading the word, using our gifts to better our church, our communities, and the world, and understand that we are gifts from God. And if our time together on Sunday morning isn't enough to fill us, Let's seek out something extra to be a part of during the week. We will never be hungry. And we believe in him. We believe that he is Christ and trust and realize that there are an import- we are an important part of God's work. And I'm going to take a line from a prayer that our late beloved assistant pastor, Father John Thomas, shared with so many people. Nothing can break us or defeat us if we keep ourselves humbly in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will never be thirsty. Amen.